Valdor police officers who say they've been defamed seek $3 million from Radio Canada. Selena Robinson finally quits the BC cabinet following her anti-Palestinian comments. Turns out that Trudeau himself invited a Nazi to a Ukrainian event. Parliament spent nearly $600,000 on luxury hotel rooms it didn't use. The shocking spike in killings of Palestinians in the occupied West Bank. And Nicaragua brings countries, including Canada, to the ICJ over supplying arms to Israel. Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. We start this morning in Val d'Or, where the members of the Sûreté du Québec have launched a $3 million defamation lawsuit against Radio-Canada. They argue that in an investigation for the show Enquête, they were portrayed in such a way that caused them social harm. Their lawyer, Marco Gagino, says that all 42 officers have experienced real harm as a result of the episode, reports Michael Wen from the Journal de Québec. And what, you are asking yourself, could the topic be? Well, it was an episode that aired back in 2015 that was called Abuse de la SQ, des femmes brisent le silence, or Abuse at the SQ, Women Break the Silence. In the series, José Dupuis highlighted the experiences of Indigenous women in Val d'Or of sexual and physical abuse at the hands of the police. The revelations were explosive and, reports Nguyen, sent shockwaves through the community and the province. It even triggered a province-wide commission, which was called the Vienne Commission, that looked into the relationship between Indigenous people and public services. Despite the allegations in the episode, no officer was ever charged for any abuse. An investigation was apparently done by the service de police la ville de Montréal. The Val d'Or police argue that there was never sufficient proof of the allegations in the episode, that there should have been a level of proof that would meet a court standard, which of course is not a fair argument because this is journalism and not the courts. Radio-Canada's lawyer, Geneviève Gagnon, pointed out that in the report, many of the details that were shared came from the police officers directly and that they were the ones that didn't believe Indigenous women, making it kind of hard to believe them now. Next, returning to a story that uh, you heard yesterday, there's been a positive development with Selena Robinson. She is stepping down as BC Minister of Post-Secondary Education following her comments last week that pre-1948 Palestine was, quote, a crappy piece of land, unquote, although it's important to note that she will remain in the BC NDP caucus. Premier David Eby made the announcement yesterday. He said, quote, when you hurt someone, you need to reach out and figure out how to reduce harm. The depth of work she needs to do is substantial, unquote. Global's Amy Judd explains that Robinson previously apologized in a social media post saying her comments were, quote, unquote, disrespectful, and that she had been referring to the land having limited natural resources. Robinson issued another apology on Monday morning, adding that she will take part in anti-Islamophobia training, which is very interesting because making these comments about Palestine and what was there before the state of Israel isn't in and of itself Islamophobic. And so for her to jump immediately to Islamophobia is a very interesting reminder that the project of Zionism actually is at the heart of itself Islamophobic, that it seeks to undermine 
Islam in the region. And of course, Zionism attacks all religions that live in Gaza. We know, obviously, that the Christians have not fared any better than the Muslims within Gaza, and that Israel has even destroyed an ancient Jewish site. But at its core, it is Islamophobic. And Selena Robinson reminds us of that by accident, by telling us that her idea of remedying the situation isn't, I don't know, doing research and understanding that, of course, there was something there and it wasn't a crappy piece of land and that families have been tending olive groves for generations and generations, which is part of why people are so angry that there's ethnic cleansing going on. No, she just boils it down to Islamophobia. Now, following Evie's announcement on Monday afternoon, Robinson issued another statement saying, quote, this decision does not excuse my harmful comments, nor does it absolve me of the work I'm committed to doing. While I previously decided not to run again in the next election, I remain committed to my constituents for the remainder of my term, unquote. Interestingly, in Global's write-up, they don't actually refer to the name of the land that Israel was founded on. And I'm going to do a deeper dive into how many ways that Canadian media talk about Palestine, because they can't say the word. They just can't say the word. And it's ridiculous. It's like, you know, my family has a prayer book from the 1930s in Palestine, and it's in Hebrew, and it literally says Palestine on the cover. Anyway, okay. There's another update to a story that you will remember from the fall when the House of Commons applauded and honored a literal Nazi. Well, it turns out that Yaroslav Hunko wasn't only invited by former Speaker Anthony Rhoda, the guy who fell on his sword. The Globe and Mail's Mary Wolf is reporting that he was also invited to a reception in honor of Vladimir Zelensky by Justin Trudeau himself. Oops. And with all the concern about rising anti-Semitism, for this to have come directly from the PMO is, frankly, scandalous, especially since most of the blame at the time of the scandal was passed on to Rota. The reception was the day after Nazi Gate in Toronto, and there were some 1,000 people in attendance. Honka didn't actually attend. Trudeau says that the only reason they even thought to invite Honka was because of the Canadian-Ukrainian Congress. They were the ones who put Hunka's name forward. Oops, 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 oops. This organization has been staunch in its support for a few Nazi-adjacent and full-blown Nazi war criminal monuments that remain intact in Canada. Of course, the Ukrainian ones. I'm not sure if they have an opinion on the other ethnicities that do also still exist. But despite the calls from anti-fascists to have them removed, the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress has been very, very, very stubborn in their support for commemorating the memories of these Nazis. Of the 1,000 people present, it does beg the question then, was Hunka the only Nazi invited? How will we ever know? Next, the CBC's Elizabeth Thompson is reporting that Parliament has spent nearly $600,000 on luxury hotel rooms it didn't use. According to Thompson, this occurred when nearly half of the listed delegates for a conference either didn't show up or chose less expensive hotels. The conference was for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, of which Canada, for some reason, is a member, as we're not in Europe. Thompson explains that organizers booked rooms in five luxury hotels close to the Vancouver Convention Center, where the conference took place. Contracts with each of the hotels guaranteed them a minimum amount of revenue. And according to the story, Parliament expected 700 delegates to attend the annual meeting, which took place last summer. 
except only 365 delegates ended up at the meeting, and not all of them stayed at the hotels the government had selected. This meant that taxpayers paid about 1,400 overnight stays worth $596,000 in total, which is an average of $425 a night. Audiovisual costs for the conference were also higher than expected, contributing to the event going $649,000 over the original budget of $1.8 million. Now, folks, listen, I do this for a living. The way that I actually make money is I help organize conferences. And it is not hard to negotiate this stuff. <laughs> and it's not hard to negotiate a deal that's not going to burn you in the end. And uh, this, is, um, this is embarrassing, frankly, for the government. In Parliament, Senator Elizabeth Marshall, former Auditor General for Newfoundland and Labrador, questioned why the conference cost so much. She said this, quote, It is very concerning, especially in the current economic times, when people are lined up at food banks while we're looking at a $1.8 million event that went 35% over budget. That does not look good on either the Senate or the House of Commons, unquote. In his presentation to the Senate House of Commons Internal Economy Boards, Jeremy LeBlanc, Parliament's Director General of Internal and Interparliamentary Affairs, said one-third of the delegates who attended the conference opted for hotels that were further afield. It's bizarre that this story doesn't actually explain why so many people didn't choose the government's hotel block. I mean, again, because I organize these things, I could guess that there's a whole bunch of different reasons, cost being perhaps one of them, but also it could just be that they missed the room block, they registered too late, whatever. Maybe Canada holding a European conference in Vancouver was probably not the smartest idea considering how, I don't know, other than Victoria or maybe Prince George or Yukon, it'd be harder to get further away from Europe. No, actually, Yukon would probably be closer. Um, so maybe it's part of that, but the article doesn't actually get into that, which is too bad. Now, this news came out the same day that Blacklock's reporter is reporting that a federal relief program that's supposed to focus on homelessness actually paid millions of dollars to a consulting firm for leadership education. I can't tell you much more than that because Blacklock's defends the hell out of their paywall. But hey, if you up your subscription to this podcast, maybe I'll be able to pay for one. But here are the patterns. Millions of dollars given to an agency that's supposed to help reduce homelessness to give them consultants to have leadership training. My God, what a waste. $600,000 spent on hotels that aren't even used. Even if they were used, why the hell are European officials not paying for their own hotels? This government has a spending problem. And do you know what? Do you know the only person who's going to benefit massively from this, even though he will also have a spending problem? It's Pierre Polly Ever. And that sucks. And finally, to international news. First, with most of the world's eyes fixed on Gaza, Israeli forces have over the past four months unleashed a brutal wave of violence against Palestinians in the occupied West Bank. They have killed at least 299 people and injured many others. And this is coming from Amnesty International. As Al Jazeera explains, the report was compiled with remote interviews and witnesses, first responders and local residents, as well as verified videos and photos. The story quotes Erica Guevara Rosas, Amnesty International's Director of Global Research, Advocacy and Policy. Quote, Under the cover of the relentless bombardment and atrocity crimes in Gaza, Israeli forces have unleashed unlawful lethal force against Palestinians in the occupied West Bank, carrying out unlawful killings and displaying a chilling disregard for Palestinian lives. 
These unlawful killings are in blatant violation of international human rights law and are committed with impunity in the context of maintaining Israel's institutionalized regime of systemic oppression and domination over Palestinians, unquote. Palestinians in the West Bank were already experiencing deadly Israeli raids on a regular basis, even before the war. But there has been an explosive increase in the number of Israeli attacks since October. According to figures by the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, Israel killed at least 507 Palestinians in the occupied West Bank in 2023, including at least 81 children, making it the deadliest year since the organization started recording statistics in 2005. Now, the report also goes through some of the other crimes that Israel is committing, including one instance where Israeli soldiers prevented ambulances from reaching victims who ended up bleeding to death. According to the report, quote, the victims were later collected by an Israeli military ambulance and their bodies have yet to be returned to their families, unquote. The organization also documented how the Israeli military cracks down on peaceful Palestinian protests held in solidarity with the people of Gaza, firing live bullets and tear gas canisters into the crowd. Westerners often ask why Palestinians don't resist peacefully. Well, you know, they do. And then they're still killed by the RDF. The one thing neither the report nor the article mentions explicitly is settler violence or the settlement expansion program in the West Bank. Some world leaders have started to become uncomfortable with what's going on, with the UK, US and EU banning violent settlers. Canada, however, is still mulling over whether to use their leverage and sanction people breaking international law. And finally, Nicaragua has announced that it will be bringing Germany, the UK, Holland and Canada to the International Court of Justice for being complicit in the genocide against Gaza. Their principal concern is that these countries provide weapons to Israel that are then used against civilians in Gaza. The news, as reported by al Mayadeen English, says that Nicaragua urges the countries to cease their arms sales to Israel. What isn't explained in the piece is how Nicaragua decided to not include the United States. I imagine there's a reason for that, and I guess we'll have to find out later. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sanianora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. Production assistance for this episode, care of Mary Newman. It's Sandy Norday. It's Tuesday. New episode coming in a couple of hours. You are going to love it. It covers a lot, a lot, a lot of news. And I hope that uh, you hear something that you enjoy. So stay listening. Stay close to your podcast feeds in a couple of hours. New episode will be there waiting for you.